Wow. How good is that to just say, Lord, you are so good. Folks, if we do not like to worship God and to praise God and lift hands unto the God, we will not like heaven. Because that song specifically takes a page out of the great throne room where the elders as well as the angels are surrounding the throne of God, just worshiping God. I mean, that is a picture of, of the throne room, of that which is going on in Christ. And I just pray that, that your heart would long for that. We can do that now, even in a setting such as this. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be talking about that's, that's one of the great issues with mankind is because mankind has failed to do that. We're going to find that in Scripture today. And I just pray that, that God would give you that hunger, that he would open up our hearts to worshiping as he alone is due. I want to ask you, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Romans, the, the first chapter. We're going to continue to study through the book of Romans. And I'll admit to you, the next couple of weeks is kind of tough. But... The Word of God teaches us, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you, true, uh, make you free. And, and Jesus Christ says, thy word is truth. And so as we, we are called to, to teach and to preach and to, to study the entire counsel of the Word of God so that we can know Him and know ourselves better. And I just pray that the, each of you would just hang on with us as we work through this and just ask God to do something very, very special in our, in our lives, and um, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Yeah. Kathy, you're kind of smirking at me right there. I don't understand why, but um, you're, not, you're not holding a secret on me, are you? I was, doing, I was watching your live presentation, and I didn't realize that the sound would also be on, so anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, um, hey, let's have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Yeah, even this morning, I tell you, God blessed me so much. I got up, and as I do, I, I found me something to, to wear. And, and as Wanda Sue says, that's probably what's not going to work today, Johnny. And um, <laughs> you kind of understand that, Sam, huh? Man, I was, I was going to just kind of, you know, let my, my, my soft side come. I had me on a pink shirt. She said, pink don't work, does not work in, in, in November. So thank God for her. She's looking out for me. And look what she dressed me in, a garnet shirt. Do I, do I need to say any more, huh? <laughs> Man, I thank God. Seek me a good wife. Love her much. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at Romans, the first chapter, verses 1. Uh, I'm sorry, the first chapter, verses 18, through the end of the, end of the chapter there. And I want us to go back and review a little bit as I, as I get to this, and um, that we can, we can kind of understand what, what Paul is doing in this great letter that he, he's writing to this church of of Rome, and if you remember with me that um, 
that there's a theme, and that's what we, we, we studied actually the last two times I preached. I really wanted to emphasize it last week. But the theme of this, and I pray that if nothing else over this series, is this embeds within your heart, and it'll be something that so is embedded in your heart, you'll find yourself repeating it um, several times a day, and, and not from now, but throughout the rest of your life, where the Apostle Paul writes, and this is the theme of the, of, of the letter to the Romans, is Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul said these words, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation for anyone who believes to the Jew first and also for the Greek. And, and, and we need to allow that to be bet, embedded within our heart and our life. And, and I want you to just say that there's this, there's this first two clauses, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God and salvation with me. Why don't you say that with me? Say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation. And then let's say that to everyone who believes, or to anyone who believes. Because we need to be excited about the Word of God that He has given us, the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and we should not be ashamed of that. There should be no fear in us because, folks, why? Because it is the power of God and the salvation. No matter what issue that we have, and we talked about salvation last week, that the, the salvation where their person needs the, the, the forgiveness of their sin, no matter how deep a person has, has fallen into the grasp of sin, that God has the power of saving them from that. But even in our personal walk, when we, when we walk in our life and we struggle, and who does not struggle? Who, who does not struggle with temptation? And who does not struggle with that, that pet area in our life that just seems to grab hold of us? God has, us, has the power to save us from even those habitual sins that we struggle so much with. And one day, he's going to reveal himself as he has the power to, to save us from the very presence of sin, that one day when we are with Jesus and when we're with that throne, around the throne of God, that we're just casting our crowns and we're saying, worthy is the Lamb. We're no longer even, even in the presence of sin. That is something good, folks, to look forward to. I can't wait for that time where there will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more hateful speech. Everything will be focused on the Lord. But now we're going to begin to talk about what, why about this? Why is this whole need of salvation? And I, and, and I didn't post this, but and you may need to write that down, and maybe I'll post it next week. But I want you to realize that Paul probably through the book of Romans, is his most organized book from the standpoint or letter that was, was speaking on this matter of salvation. Because what we're going to be studying today and for about three more weeks, it sits from verse 18 of chapter 1 into to, to chapter 3, verse 20, we're going to be speaking about man's need of salvation. The very reason the gospel is needed, that man's need of salvation and then starting at chapter 3, verse 21, all the way through chapter 11, it's going to be speaking about God's provision of salvation, that man has a need, and this is how God provided for man's salvation. And then the following, the following from chapter 12 to the end of the book, other than the, um, the conclusion, is speaking about the, um, how do we to live within that salvation or our response to that salvation, how it should change our lives. And, and so we have to understand when we're in this, the seg which segment are we in? Because it's the context is very, very important. But today we're going to begin that, that part of, the, of man's need of salvation. 
And what the Apostle Paul is going to be speaking out is, first, first of all, he's going to be speaking this. Today we're going to be speaking about God's need of salvation for the Gentiles. And, and really in the, for the Hebrews, it's, those were the barbarians. Those were the people that were the, you know, that was that redneck bunch, you know, that crude bunch. And, um, and it's very easy to talk about them. But you better watch out. Because next week we're going to be speaking about that moral bunch, those who are good. You know, they're better than everybody else. But you better be careful because the next week we're going to be speaking about that religious bunch. Those people who fill the church every week, they're in need of salvation also. So no matter where you find yourself, we're all in need of a Savior. Doesn't matter whether we're some old barbarian out there. Doesn't matter whether we think we're so good, or it doesn't matter if we if we stuff the church um, offering plate every week, folks. We all need Jesus Christ, and so we can't point the finger at anyone else. So today we're going to be looking at that, and we're going to really heavy focus this today on the subject matter of the wrath of God. This really deals with the whole section, but we're going to focus it on it today. So all, let's all stand together as we read Romans, the first chapter. Now we'll just start in verse 18. And the Word of God teaches us, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but, their, but became futile in their thoughts, and foolish hearts were darkened. They professed to be wise, and they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. And it says, therefore, and because of this, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, and burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind or to a vile mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of all evil things, disobedient to parents. I think that's interesting. Boy, we hear all this really tough stuff and then saying disobedient to parents. Hmm. Who hasn't been there? undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, and merciful, who knowing that the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do, this, do, the, same, do the same, but they also approve those who practice them. 
God help us. Let's pray. Father, I just I pray now that you would just take these words and, and God, that they'd be applied in our hearts. And, and I just pray that, that, Father, you would open our ears that we can, can hear you speak to us and God, our minds that we can understand, our hearts that we can receive and, and also do something about it. God, we need you. And Father, your word says your gospel has the power of God and the salvation. And I pray today that God, that that salvation would be not only offered, but God be received. And, and God, today you'd set men free right here, dear Father. And say, God bless our time in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Tough subject, amen? But folks, it's the truth of God. And so, you know, if, if I was to ask you, to, you know, if, if, you could, if you could design God, what would God look like? I mean, if, if you had an opportunity, if, you know, if a committee of people come to you and say, you know, we, we're on the committee that we're going to design God, what would that look like? You know, I, th- I think many of us would, you know, we, we'd love to design God as that great big grandpa figure that, you know, that you could just sit on his lap and kind of like a Santa Claus type of figure and whatever he wanted that he'd give you that and, um, man, he'd just love on you and... And, um, you know, kind of turn his back when he saw you being hateful and, and just that way. He was just always kind of there when we needed him, but, but you never heard any harsh word. And I think that many people have that idea of God today. You know, I've heard so many people over my life in, in dealing in situations or when you're dealing with subject matters like this, they would say, my God would not send somebody to hell. You ever heard that? My God would not allow that child to suffer. And so therefore, there must be no God at all. The great problem was that, is that is the God of their own imaginations that men and women have made up. That's not the God of the Scripture. And so if we're truly to to, to want to know God and who God is, I cannot find that from what people think about God, but I have to find that through whom God is. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get to the situation, because when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation... That, that he, he knows that first and foremost, you must know who this God is that has that power to meet those needs that we have. And I think it's very, very interesting that right out of the, right out of the, the, the shoot, he says, for the wrath of God. As he's beginning to speak about, this is what God has come to meet your needs. The need of mankind, the greatest need of mankind is salvation. And the reason of that is because of the wrath of God. He didn't try to sugarcoat. He didn't try to crawfish into this. He, he, he went on because, folks, I want to speak to you, first of all, about the reality of the wrath of God. There's so many times that when we think about wrath, we think about it in such terrible and negative connotations, and we, we think about it that, that it can only come from that person that is mad at the world and, and angry. Because the word, the word wrath itself has the idea of, of anger. 
It has the idea of retribution. There's no doubt about that. Orge gives you that idea, but it also has the idea of passion. The same, same word of passion is also the same word of, of anger. But the problem is when we as people begin to think about anger, we think about it in a very negative sense because we think about when I get angry, that it's all for all the wrong reasons. I get angry because I'm, I'm very selfish. And, and, and so therefore, when I want to pour out my wrath on somebody, it's because I want to pour out my vindication, vindication on someone because I'm angry toward them and I want them to hurt just like I hurt. But you can't apply that when you apply it to God because God is without sin. And we find that Jesus Christ himself, when, when Jesus Christ was in the temple, he went to the Father's house and he saw people just abusing his Father's house. And Jesus became righteously angry. Jesus never sinned. But he was angry because of, of, of what people have brought and, and made filth and made a mockery of his Father's house. And so Jesus was angered, but he sinned not. And so the Bible teaches us about God and his character. It's very natural for him that, that he can be angered, but yet not sin. And so therefore, the wrath of God begins to display the character of God. And that's what I want to speak to you about. As a matter of fact, put this in your mind. Wrath is a natural response of a holy God. And because of who God is there will be righteous wrath. And let's talk about that for just a moment. There's three things I want to remind you about who God is. First of all, of God's character, God is holy. As a matter of fact, in, in all of Scripture, when we speak about the characteristics of God, there's only, there's only one characteristic of God that is used in, in a triune form, speaking of perfection. And as a matter of fact, it's used in the, in the Old Testament in... Isaiah, the sixth chapter, but it's also used in the, in the New Testament, in Revelation, in the very scripture to which we sang, that, and that's God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy. God is perfect in his holiness. Holiness means to be separated, is to be set apart because there's none other like God, but it also means perfection. That when God's moral character, there, he's perfect, he is without sin. There, God is holy, and so therefore God cannot sin. And so therefore, that when anything is brought into the presence of God, there's a natural response of God to remove that which is unholy. Just when Jesus walked into the, the temple, which, which, which was to represent to people in that age the, where the, the house of God or the presence of God, that Jesus began to remove those things that, that, that brought disruption into the very character of God. Let me break it down in another term. Wanda Sue, she likes things clean around the house. As a matter of fact, every now and then she'll be gone, and I think, I, you know, I will clean up the kitchen, and then, boy, if, if she won't come and clean up right behind me, you know, I think I've done a good job, but she sees things I don't see. She wants her kitchen, she wants her house clean. But you just let one little old roach run across that kitchen floor, and she goes nuts. I mean, just goes crazy. Because she don't want that nasty roach in her clean kitchen. Now, 
she does not pour her wrath out on it because she thinks I'm the only one that can pour the wrath out on a roach. Whether I'm outside, no matter where I am, and I'm thinking, well, why don't you just get a broom and kill the roach? But she, you know, but, but she wants that ro- roach gone. And what's happened is Miss Wanda Sue's wrath pours out upon that dirty roach because she doesn't want to affect her clean kitchen. About the same thing if you know happened if she had it all cleaned up and I just come from out come from the woods and all filthy nasty and just walked on through there and 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 whomping, she she you know she would kind of get me out of there too. Because that's the natural response of that which is holy coming against that which is unholy. And so from the very characteristic of God that he's perfect in his holiness, when that which is unholy comes into his presence, that there's a natural response to protect his holiness, he stamps it out. So first of all, wrath is just a natural response to a holy God. And so therefore, if God was not holy, then there would not be such a big deal with wrath. I mean, you know, if, if it, now, now again, for me, if one is not around, it doesn't bother me to be something to leave something on the table. It doesn't bother me to leave a little bit of trash in the can or some stuff tossed around. And so, you know, if a... You know, um, old Roach comes through there. I say, hey, buddy, just um, uh, buckle on up, man. We'll enjoy it together. (laughs) Don't bother me much. But that's just the difference in the two. Wrath is a natural response to that which is holy, which is perfect. But not only is God holy and he's perfect, but he's also just. He's a just God. He, he acts in righteousness, and, and basically what that means, he'll always do the right thing. And another way to say that is that he'll always do the fair thing. He, he'll always make things right. And that's the God whom we serve. And there's great comfort in that because as a believer in Jesus Christ, knowing that I serve a holy God, that, that, um, that, that he's perfect, but he all, he's also just, he'll always do the right thing, that I realize that one day everything's going to be made right. That I don't have to act as a judge. I don't have to act with my vindictiveness upon someone that's hurt me because one day he's going to make things right. And, And so therefore, because God is holy and because God is just, he has, he has to condemn and judge sin. For example, if 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 someone just brutally hurt one of my children. And they caught the culprit, and, and, and um, they brought him into the judge, and this person had brutally hurt one of my, my, my children. And, and man, I, you know, I was restraining myself because I, you know, I, I would want to bring vindication upon that person. And then the judge got up there and admitted, okay, guy, you, you brutally hurt Johnny's child. But you, but you know what? I feel merciful today, and I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to forgive you and just turn you loose. It's great that that judge was merciful, but it's not so great there was not justice. Because I would be right, my my child would be wronged, and I would be wronged. And even though that judge might have had a merciful heart, it was not fair because the people that were hurt so bad was left unpunished. 
were, were the people that were hurt so bad were left without justice. You see, folks, God is a forgiving God, but he's a just God, which means that because of his judgment, that one day all sin has to be paid for. All sin has to be paid for. It all has to be made right, and it will be made right on that final day. Otherwise, he would not be a just God. Otherwise, he could not be a holy God. And he's also a loving God. And because God's a loving God, he always wants that which which is best in our lives, and also he wants to remove those things in our life that causes us great harm. Let me just give you a news flash. Every problem that you have in your life, every problem, has at, at its root sin. If you have a health problem, the root of that problem is ultimately sin. If you have a relationship problem, the root of that problem is sin. If you have an addiction problem, the root of that problem is sin. And God would not be a very loving God if he did not want to punish sin. Because that is the very thing that destroys the people he loves the most. And so when we want to think of wrath in a very negative way or making him a very negative God, we need to understand that really defines for whom God is. And, and God, because of his holiness, and God, because of his justice, and God, because of his love, he has, he has to pour his wrath out upon sin. Do you agree with that? Well, let's go a little bit further then. Let's not only look at the, the, the very reality of wrath, but let's look at the scope of wrath. How, how, how far will it be spread? Because he continues on that he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. God's wrath reaches out to all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. Hmm. You see, it's very easy for us to look at sins and to categorize sin. And it's very easy for us, when we think about that, that child abuser, that person deserves the wrath of God, but I've never abused a child, so therefore I don't deserve the wrath of child, the wrath of God. See, we like to categorize in our minds. You know, there's some sins that are worse than others, and some deserve the wrath of God, and others don't deserve the wrath of God. But the problem is the, the, the wrath of God is revealed from heavens for all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. <laughs> oh. See, the word ungodliness means basically without God or, or, or not honoring God or it's not revering God or not fearing God. So did you realize that, that, that part of the, the, the idea of unrighteousness is that when I don't give God the glory that's due? Maybe I live a pretty good life, but I give no honor to God. I do not worship him the way that I should worship him. I do not, I do not you know, I, you know I, I, growing up, I thank God for a mom and daddy that when we sat around the table that we never picked up a, a fork, never hit our lips before we were told to stop and thank God for the food that he's given us. And I, I think that's a, that's a wonderful example to show your children. And, and folks, he's the same God when you're sitting in a restaurant than when you're sitting in your house. You need to thank him, God, no matter where you are. And give God the honor. God, I recognize this food that, you're, that I'm eating. You gave that food to me, and I need to praise you. 
You know, God, I want to thank you for the clothing that you give me. I want to thank you, God, that you, you allowed me to wake up this morning. But again, that, that idea of, of, of ungodliness is simply not giving God the glory that he's due. Giving him the praise, the worship that he's due. And then unrighteousness is, is basically speaking of, of, of behavior that is not righteous. And so any behavior that I commit that is against the character of God, that's things I actively do. Whether I lie or whether I cheat or whether I disobey parents, or whether I talk with someone with anger out of my tongue, or whether I steal or whether I cheat or whether I murder or whether I abuse a child. It says the wrath of God is reeled from heaven against all ungodliness, about, against everyone who has not given me that which I'm due, but also anyone that has ever done anything that is not righteous. Folks, that includes us all. Because there's not a one in this place who have never failed to, to honor God for all that he's doing. There's the, who's never failed to... to that. In, in being perfect. You've never, you've never been perfect. So you know what that means? The scope of God's wrath is upon every single one of us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Again, it's very, very easy for me to talk about the wrath of God when it refers to to the Ted Bundys of the world. The mass murderers. The Adolf Hitlers. But it's harder for me to think about for my child who got angry with her little sister is the same wrath abides on her because she's a sinner. Folks, that's the truth. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. And so therefore, dear friend, the Bible teaches us that it's not that we shall be condemned, but we're condemned already and the wrath of God abides upon us. Hmm. Man, that's tough stuff. But let's just, let's just move on. Now let's look at some of the, the reasons, some, some, some of this. He, he begins to, to explain some of these things. He says, first of all, what, what are some of the things that we do in, in our ungodliness and in our unrighteousness? He says that in, in the end of verse 18 when he says, where they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And that means to hold down the truth. That, that men, with, with the wickedness within our heart, we withhold the truth. We don't, we don't want the word, truth to be spoken. I'll be frank with you. When I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking about our, our, some of our past elections, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to get on a political bench here, but but you know, um, boy, I, we know there's a lot of heat going on, and and boy, there's a lot of people in our country that thinking that the 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 media and folks, I think our our media is corrupt. Okay, let me go ahead and say that. But there was a lot of thought that really people were believing that the media was holding back some truth. They weren't given the whole story, or they were twisting it the way they wanted to. Why were they so scared, afraid of the truth? Because they, they were afraid if people know the truth, it would change people's minds. 
Do you agree? It's the same way when mama would come. Son, where have you been tonight? Well, mama, I've been out riding. Son, who have you been riding with? Well, I've been riding with some buddies. What I was doing is I was holding back the truth because I knew if she knew the truth, it wasn't good. And, 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 and so I was suppressing the truth because I knew the truth would bring some problems in my life. Folks, that's what we do all the time, that, 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 that men suppress the truth of God because we know that the truth of God will expose us for who we are. That's why people don't like to hear messages like this because it begins to expose us for who we are. And so the best way to do that is we pick and choose in the Bible to help people feel good about themselves rather than to show them this is who you really are. And the Bible says that part, part of the wrath of God is because we have chosen to suppress or hold the truth down of the righteousness of God. Even though it's the truth that shall make us free. And folks, we do that all the time. Again, we, the Bible says there will come those times in, in the end where you know, the, the churches will gather up themselves, preachers who will tickle their ears. Because they don't want the truth. Folks, that's went on since the fall of man. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness, but also we reject the God who manifests himself to us. Look what he says in verse 19 and 20. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I think one of my my favorite verses in Scripture that tells us about how man is so much different than the rest of creation is Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, verse 11, when, when it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time, And he's put eternity into their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning. That when God created man, he created us with the Spirit, and he he placed eternity within our heart, the ability to understand eternal things. And so when God begins to reveal himself, and he reveals himself through all the creation, it speaks to that part of our heart that we can understand that there's really a God out there. Who cannot look at the design of creation and reject there's a, and, and not believe there's a God? Who cannot look at a newborn baby and believe there's a creator? Who cannot look at the intricacy in the DNA of man and even a human cell? And not believe that there's one that has has woven that together. But the Bible says they see these things, and even though in their heart they know these things, they suppress it, and they reject the very God whom they see. Folks, let me explain something to you real quick, and I'll just interject this. If I... 
If I were to ask you, and this, this happened to me in a theology class years ago, and you ask yourself, why do people go to hell? And um, the, the first thing response we'll have is because people didn't believe in Jesus. No. Jesus is the solution to the problem, but the, the problem that people have, the reason that men are, are abandoning to hell is because they rejected the God who created them. And so no matter where you are, no matter whether you're in Nepal where David was speaking of and never heard the name of Jesus, or, or you're in Africa, or you're in Haiti where we were, or Honduras, see, all men, all men have the revelation of God to see that there is a God in heaven. And it's an amazing thing that if men begin to yearn for that God in heaven, how I believe in my heart, God will send them the messengers of the cross. And I think, we, I think there's plenty of examples in that. But the, the thing is, 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 is men are, are rejected by God because man rejected God. Even though man seen him, and although God could be clearly seen, man created the God, or man rejected the God who created them. And then also they exchanged the glory of God for man-made idols. Let's look at verses 21 through 23. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but came futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animal and creeping things. Hmm. That although they knew God, they rejected him and not given him the glory that God is due, the creator, but began to create for themselves their own idols. Folks, people have always been idol worshipers. And it might not mean a, a little statue that's sitting in, your, uh, uh, sitting in your living room over your fireplace. It could be your bank account. It could be the trophies you have hanging on the wall. It could be your diplomas that you have. But we all, work, we all give glory to something else rather than the God who created us. And so for the wrath of God is revealed in heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness because first of all, we, we, we suppress the truth we denied the God who showed himself to us through creation. And not only did we deny the God, but we began to worship other gods that are not true. And folks, that goes on in every culture, in every land. Can you imagine how that grieves the heart of God, the one who created us, the one that... that, that, that Place us in this world and place us in a garden, and then the creature turned his back on the Creator and says, I have nothing to do with you. And folks, every time we sin, that's what we're doing. Every time we sin, we're saying, God, I know better than you. I'm going to do it my way. And so that is, is why God pours out. His wrath because it's, 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 it's absolutely opposite of who he is. And I want to speak to you about when it says the revealing of God. Let me speak to you about, and I'll try to work through this very quickly and we'll close. 
that God reveals his wrath in several different ways. Let me speak to you that. I want to show you five different ways that God reveals his wrath. First of all, it's called eternal wrath. Eternal wrath is what we know as hell, that when God comes and judges, judges the, the, the heavens and the earth at the ends of time, and he separates man as well as Satan and his, his evil demons, that they will spend eternal punishment under the wrath of God. That's, that's eternal wrath. There's also eschatological, got myself tongue-tied, eschatological. Thank you, mother-in-law. Thank you much. I get tongue-tied. That's speaking of last things, and that speaks about the, the final day of the Lord when God begins to pour his wrath upon the earth during those final days that we read so much about, especially in Revelation. There's also what's called cataclysmic wrath, and that's where there's times in history where God just got a mess of everything, and he poured his wrath out in a very cataclysmic type of a way. The flood was, 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 was part of the cataclysmic wrath. Also that we find when, when um, the, the, the flood, we also find when God, with Sodom and Gomorrah, God poured his wrath in a very cataclysmic way upon those. We, we see that in Scripture. That, that folks, God can say there's enough. And so we have those. There's also another wrath that's called consequential wrath. That, that is basically the, the sowing and the reaping. That if I choose to walk away from the principles of God, then I'm going to have to pay the wrath of my consequences. I surely can't blame God and point fingers at God. If I want to go, if I want to go immor- being an immoral person and go catting around with every girl around, and then I catch a, you know, I catch a, 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 a venereal disease, that's my fault. You can't blame God on that. But, but there's, but there's a, the law of sowing and reaping, and that's a, we pay wrath. God, we, we have to, we receive God's wrath from our own consequences. But the, what he's speaking about here is the, the wrath of abandonment. Abandonment. And abandonment is, is, is what we see within this passage where God says, okay, if that's what you want, I'm just going to pull my grace and mercy away from you. I'm just going to step away from you, and I'm going to let you go at it. And I want you to read this to you, and I want you to, folks, this was written 2,000 years ago, but I want you to think about what you're seeing today. Because we're seeing this wrath being poured out on America today. When he says these words, when he says abandon them, and, and he describes it as God gives them up, okay? I'm just going to give you over to yourself. He says, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among yourself. He says, okay, I'm just going to give you over. And and so therefore you begin to have very unclean thoughts and you begin to to do to your bodies what you're wanting to. Hey, you know, if you want to live immorally, God says go at it. If you want to sit and read pornography all day long, then go at it. If you want to sex people, sex people all like go online. If you want to get with your buddies and speak on those crude jokes, just go at it. I'm just going to turn you loose and see where that's going to leave you. And folks, we live in a world there's no shame anymore. You can't even watch a, a ball game without the filth that's, that, that's, that's on the commercials because God has given us up. But then also, but, but then it, he, he, he takes it. 
But it's also who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Did you know that that happened in the garden when, when Eve exchanged the, the truth of God for a lie? When, when the Satan told Eve, don't you know that you shall not surely die? So she believed the lie rather than the truth. And that's, that's what we've done ever since. We've exchanged the truth of the lie. Because how many times in my little mind, in my mind, I realize this is not right, but I go ahead and do it anyhow. But then it says, it, it's, there, there goes another step. And for this reason, God also gave them up to vile passions. Now, these are unnatural passions. Where it's, it's, it's like a step further than just the unclean passions, but now it's a vile. It's a something that's very unnatural. For even their women exchanged the natural youth as what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of, of the woman, burned their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. And even though they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Folks, that's homosexual behavior. Now, you can try to change what's being said there, but it says what it says. Because God says this is a different type of passion. This is not just an unclean passion, but this is a vile passion that that has changed. And and so God says there's there's a progression here. Where, where the natural use of our bodies, we use it for something else. And, and so, we, we don't, do we see this in our world today? Matter of fact, when I, you know, when I, when I walk into a, uh, a mall and I walk into a bathroom, I have to look around to make somebody, somebody's not sharing that, that, that stall with me. It's crazy. That it's not even natural anymore. And so you take that progressive, so God says, okay, I'm going to give you over. Okay, first of all, I'm going to let you play into things that, you know, that, that's going to be very unclean. Then you're going to take it a step deeper because, folks, sin is never satisfied. You always want a little bit more. You know, no one, no Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy said he began his career by looking, by going and, and, and going into pennies and looking at the lingerie state. Um, Pages in J.C. Penny catalogs, and then it took him to another level, and took him to another level, until later he became a mass murderer. Ted Bundy never woke up thinking that I'm going to be a mass murderer one day. Sin will take you further than you'd ever thought you'd go. And then God said, "God says, okay, I'm going to leave you to yourself. Just just keep on at it." And then He takes us to a debased mind, where it says. And even they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fit. You know what debased means? It means useless. It means your mind is not even useful anymore. It, it doesn't even make sense. And to me, the greatest example of this is um, we live in a country that aborts, you know, has aborted 50 million babies, but I'll get thrown in jail because... I destroy a turtle leg. Now you just tell me how crazy that is. I mean, you just tell me how crazy. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense how someone can choose, even though that I have all my male parts, but I, today I want to choose to be a girl. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. And that's what this means. There's a debased mind that our minds are not even useful today anymore. But that's where we get ourselves. And you think, how did we get here? It's the wrath of God, folks. Because, because people begin to not glorify me and give me the glory that I'm due, he says, okay, I'll just begin to pull myself away. Yeah. Folks, the greatest gift we have of the Holy Spirit is the conviction of our sins. I thank God for the conviction of my sins because I real I know Johnny too much, and I if, if if the Holy Spirit did not convict me of my sins, by God's grace I could be Ted Bundy. And I I speak of Ted Bundy a lot because we were in Tallahassee when that occurred years ago, and it was terrible. I could be a mass murderer. I, I could be a, a rapist if it was not for the grace of God. So I thank God that his grace has been upon me because once he lifts his grace from me, folks, I'm in a dangerous place. And look at all the things that he said. And being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness. Who of us has not been there? Full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents. I mean, all of us have been there. But then the sad thing is in verse 32 it says, Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, not only do the same, but they approve those who practice sin. They're such an abased way, he says, you know what? I want, to, I want to pray those people that shakes their fist at God. The very God who created us. And I want to close with this. And again, be careful before you judge others because you're, he's going to get you and me in the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> God... Wrath is simply an expression of his holiness, of his justness, and his love. And the greatest expression of God's wrath that's ever been poured out was on the cross of Calvary when he poured his wrath out on Jesus Christ. We're entering the Christmas season and Jesus came to save sinners who were lost. He was born of a virgin. He was born righteously. He lived a righteous life. He never sinned. He never deserved the wrath of God. But because of his love for you and me, he allowed himself to hang upon the cross to accept the wrath, our, our wrath of God upon himself. Can you imagine that type of love? Folks, that's how much God loves you. You see, God is, he's, he's just, he's also the justifier. And through Jesus Christ, our sins were justified. Jesus Christ became, the Bible says, he became our propitiation. I know that's a $50 word, but that means that he became the satisfier of God's wrath. For all who believe. 
See, all of our sin will be paid for. If we reject Jesus Christ, it's going to be paid for on that final judgment day when God's wrath is poured out on you and me and we're sent to an eternal hell. But for those who would place their trust in Jesus Christ, believing that Jesus came, he died not for his sins, but for my sins, and he took my wrath upon the cross so that God, my sins were paid for by Jesus Christ. Folks, that's good news, isn't it? That's why, that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God and the salvation. That Jesus Christ took my wrath upon himself, and this old guy who's the chief of sinners was saved from the wrath of God. But you know what? You can be saved too. Doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how vile, how debased you are, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your life today, that means God is working in your life. If He's opening your eyes and opening your heart today, maybe, maybe He put some fear in your heart. Let me tell you, that fear is a gift of God. That God is giving you that fear right now. That you need Jesus Christ. I invite you to Jesus Christ. And let me just close out with this. Until we understand the wrath of God, we'll never understand the holiness of God. Until we understand the wrath of God, we'll never understand just how much God loves you and me for sending his son, Jesus Christ. And until we really understand the wrath of God, we will never love God the way that we can love God, knowing that he sent his son to pay for our wrath. And so today, dear friends, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven to all ungodliness, to all unrighteousness. That's to every one of us. I invite you today to Jesus Christ, who came to pay your penalty for you. In just a moment, I want to ask our team to come, and we're going to have a time of invitation. If you're here today, and maybe you have... You have been gloriously saved from the, the, the wrath of God. You may need to, you need me to come to pound this altar and say, God, thank you. I need to give you the glory that you're due. And, and, and I don't want to hold anything from you, God. I, I, got to, I, got, I got to get some praise on, and I've got to worship you. Thank you for saving me from God's wrath. But if you can't say today that God, I know that I know that I've been saved from the penalty of my sins, I ask you today to look into Jesus Christ. I'd like for someone to talk with you right where you are. I ask you to cry out to God. But I'm going to ask you something else. I'm going to ask you to step out of your aisle, and I'm going to ask you to come down and say, Pastor, I need to talk to someone about my salvation. Pastor, I'm scared to death. It's a good thing to be scared. You better be right. I'm, I'm scared of the wrath of God. And let somebody, let me put you with someone that will talk to you one-on-one about your relationship with Christ. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to you today? Let's pray. Father God, I love you, and God, I thank you for this day. And I just pray that you'd be with us during this time. God, this is an important time. God, I pray that we'll give you the glory that you're due. I pray that, God, today people would be drawn to you, Lord, that you'd reveal yourself to men. And bless this time in Christ's name. Amen.